Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. With me, as always, is my brother Travis. And I'm all smiles, dude. All ready. Today, we are covering Polaris and the music from the adventures of Pete and Pete. And that, of course, was the intro to the beloved TV series, Trav. And, I mean, seriously, every time, dude, it puts a big smile on my face. Yeah, I think more so than any, just about any song. Like, yeah. a rush of nostalgia always hits me, like, goosebumps and everything. Especially when you watch the, when you, when you watch the intro, too, which is what we were doing right there. We had the YouTube clip pulled up. Um, yeah, I mean, music has the ability to, to transport you, right, back to a moment. And that particular song always takes me back to our childhood, right? Because in a lot of ways, like Polaris was the first rock band, perhaps, that we had exposure to. I mean, aside from like listening to music, you know, that our dad would play us or something like that. That was like a band that you saw every time you saw an episode of Pete and Pete. They're out there on the front lawn, you know, rocking out. So like we're seeing the drum and the guitar close up. We're seeing their like grungy looking alt rock hairstyles and yeah back then in the early 90s you know it wasn't as easy to you know watch clips of your favorite band performing so like like you like you were saying that's like the first band that we actually got to see perform in a way right i think it was the first band that we probably felt a little bit of like ownership of or something like that you know where it's like this is our rock band you know yeah yeah so interesting, dude. And that's why um, you really can't talk about this band and Pete and Pete without talking about the network that greenlit it, right? Which is Nickelodeon. So we're going to spend some time in this episode talking about how amazing that network was and you know how the people at the top of the network, the president at the time, understood like the importance of not talking at kids, right? But like speaking their language right yeah that's what made it such a a a incredible network and we were too young to realize how amazing it was right because it was just there like yeah this is the kids network that we watched right we always had these are the shows that we're getting to see right but like when you reflect back on it as an adult it's amazing that it even happened and the way that they went about it is like it's unbelievable dude so we'll talk about that a little bit too but um so yeah coming off of last week we talked about a band called Miracle Legion. And we talked about how Miracle Legion essentially had put out a few albums and they had done, you know, some, some personnel change, if you will, 
Um, they switched out their bass player and drummer before they made their album Drenched. And then they had some record label trouble right around the same time that the creator of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, whose name is Will McRobb, approached Mark Malkahai of Miracle Legion to see if the band Miracle Legion could appear on the show and write music for the show, right? And, you know, even though the band wasn't really together anymore, and like we said last week, for some reason they couldn't use the, they couldn't even use the name Miracle Legion because of this feud with the record label. So he came up with a, a, another band name, and the other guitar player, Ray Neal, was just like, no, I'm done, man. I'm done with this music business, right? So he didn't join, but the other two guys did. And so what we end up with, and who you see in the introduction of the TV show playing in the front lawn is Polaris. And that is, you know, the three guys, Mark Mulcahy, of course, singer, guitar player. And then you had Dave McCaffrey on bass and Scott Boutier on drums. So that is Polaris. And um, the funny thing is they even came up with TV names. So Mulcahy went by Muggy, Boutier was Jersey, and McCaffrey was Harris Polaris. <laughs> so they came up with like TV personas. I was curious, Trev, I don't know if you if you looked into this or not, but um, Will McRobb was a fan, right? Yeah, he was a fan of Miracle Legion. And kind of as we talked about last week, the reason that they're such a perfect match for a show like Pete and Pete is because of the like the, the themes that Mark would write about. And a lot of times it was about these really deep childhood uh, memories that we all kind of have, right? Like collectively. Right. And Pete and Pete is a show about growing up, right? Uh, I have a quote here from Will McRobb, the creator of the show. He said, I think the goal of Pete and Pete was to tell a story the way kids tell stories, where it's just one big stream of consciousness a burst of images and half-completed thoughts that underneath it all was a layer of deep nostalgia. But on top of that, it was sort of filtered through a very fractured mindset of the narrator. Dude, I love that. So so I rewatched a handful of the episodes from the first season, and that's what stood out to me the most. And I mean, honestly, not something that I noticed really when I was a kid, but these stories are, are told. So the narrator is older Pete, right? The older of the two Pete's, the brothers. And he's the narrator, a faithful narrator as far as like what's what's going on in the story. But the way that it's showed to us, it's almost like, you know how you, you like exaggerate details of a story when you retell it? Yeah. It's like you're seeing the exaggerated version of the stories. Yeah. The story that you're seeing is Big Pete's recollection of it. Yeah. What a great idea dude like you know there's Artie, right the the town superhero yeah he's <laughs> you know and a lot of people think that he was just a figment of their imagination right either that or he you know he was just a, a weird dude in spandex but when you watch the show he really is the superhero of their town because it's told through the lens of you know a, a kid so cool man yeah understanding the show helps you appreciate the the music that Polaris was writing, right? Because the music is written for the show, right? And apparently the way that it would go down, I've got a quote here from, from Malkahai. He said, and I guess he's referring to the network, but really it's probably like Will and maybe the director or something like that. 
He said, they never asked me to write lyrics they wanted. They just tell me to write about something like a breakup or, you know, like a sad song. He says, I really learned a lot about what I could do, and I wish I could do more of it because it was really interesting and enjoyable. That is kind of interesting, right? Because, like, if you're a rock star, the way that he's probably used to operating in Miracle Legion is, you know, nobody's telling him how to write music for Miracle Legion, right? Right. There is no, like, prompt, but it probably made it kind of a fun challenge, right? Because it's like, well, I don't have to think about what this song is about, right? This is going to be a song about breakup. Okay, well, let me just start writing that. Oh, this is going to be a sad song. Okay, cool. Well, let me just knock that out. He can go into it knowing, like, you know, and, and and we can kind of write this through the lens of, you know, a kid going through heartbreak or whatever, or crushing hard on a girl. Yeah, and what I appreciate about Will and, and the rest of the creators and stuff is that, like he said there, they never gave him lyrics, you know. They trusted the band enough to be like, breakup, right? They just threw a word at them. Give me a song about breakup and then went away. And knew how important it was not to interfere with the rock band's process here. Yeah. What's great about this band is that there's nothing childish about these songs. It's not like it's Baby Shark, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just a rock band that did music for a kid's TV show. But in the 90s, like, alt-rock and all that stuff was so much a part of, like, pop culture and stuff like that that, like... It just worked. I feel like it, this, it wouldn't work right now. I mean, I guess you could maybe get like a pop star to do some music. I mean, look at Disney, right? All they did was have these super manufactured pop stars both appear in the TV show and then write music that they would also profit off of, like Hannah Montana and all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. But that's not what this was at all, right? This was just, hey, I know this band Miracle Agent. I love them. I'm going to have them write music for my show. And that speaks to how Nickelodeon was at the time. Exactly, dude. Because they let it happen. They didn't interfere with it. They trusted it. And they let shows be written that didn't like talk down to the kids. Exactly, dude. That's what it's all about, man. And that's what made them such an amazing network. Because they did it differently than any other child, like children's network ever did. Because typically, like prior to Nickelodeon kind of finding its groove and stuff, Kids shows are always like educational, you know what I mean? Like, right, or or just you know, don't do drugs or whatever, right? <laughs> and yeah. so the entertainment wasn't actually like for us, you know, or like it was it was not speaking our language. And Nickelodeon knew how to speak the language of what it was like to be a kid, you know what I mean? And Pete and Pete did that beautifully because it told stories the way that we tell stories. Anyway, all right, so. One thing I noticed, I watched a couple of episodes. You can find all of them on YouTube, by the way. But I watched the first and second episode. And I noticed, because I was listening for the Polaris stuff, basically, Will McRobb would have, like, you know, these songs to pull from and just kind of throw in here and there. And, um, for example, episode one, there's just maybe 10 seconds of the guitar riff from She Is Staggering, which is track two, just in the background. But snippets dude like if he said give me a sad song well then he could throw that guitar riff anywhere that needed like a sad song in the background right yeah i noticed that too yeah so it's basically it's almost like and this is gonna be a weird example but you know how in star wars luke has his theme song right it's almost like this was the theme song for uh big pete you know and his love interest 
whoever it was at the time. Because in episode one, it was that that girl in the rival car. Yeah, right, right. Episode one is called King of the Road, and basically, you know, the family jumps into their their station wagon and, and heads to Hoover Dam, and the dad comes across this other station wagon. They basically end up in a competition. Yeah, because because he claims to be like King of the Road, right? Their dad is like, I, you know. Look at my rig. I've got everything secured properly. We're going to get there in record time. And then this like perfect family shows up at this like rest stop where they're eating at. And there's a girl and there's two girls instead of two boys, right? And Big Pete sort of uh, becomes infatuated with the girl, right? And then in the next episode, he is fawning over Ellen again. And they play that same song in the background, right? So it's kind of interesting how they used the music. But as we'll talk about later... The music also plays a huge part, um, more prominently, I guess, in, in, in certain episodes, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, let's play a tune here. So here is a song called Saturnine. You found the earth. Let's go. That's only roses in here. Great song, dude. I love that that one's, um, you know, a bit more lively and playful than some of the stuff we heard last week. The music is very, very similar to their Miracle Legion stuff, but they had to, at some level, realize that, like, this is going to be played for a TV, a children's TV show, right? So I think lyrically, there are similarities because he would naturally write about nostalgic things that we can all relate to from our childhood. But yeah, I think the lyrics are a little bit more like simplified. They're not necessarily as deep. But aside from that, I love their style, man. Yeah, I, I love. It. I actually i I prefer the Polaris stuff over the Miracle Legion stuff. Well, and again, dude, like hard to imagine music like this being played in in a kids show now, right? And I don't I don't watch kids TV, but from what I've seen, dude, like. The live action shows that are coming out now for kids are just 
there's no subtleties about any of it. It's all just extreme, like, wacky stuff. There's no, like, realness to kids' shows now. Yeah, and, and that's what made Pete and Pete so special, right? Because, like, again, Nickelodeon gave control over to the creators of these shows, right? Right. Um, they didn't interfere with it. They trusted them. And that's why we got music from right. an alternative rock band, you know, as as the the official house band of the show. Yeah, and like, you know, what was happening in 93, right, was like rock and roll was dominant in the pop culture because of the grunge movement and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not really a surprise, I guess, that they would allow, and again, allow isn't the right word because they really did sort of step away and let the creators kind of do what they wanted to for these shows. But like, it's not a surprise that, that this happens when you think about what was what was happening like on the larger scale of like pop culture, right? But it's, dude, it's amazing to think about us as fans of rock music you know, we were seven yeah i guess we didn't really mention it aired officially november 28th of 1993 yeah and i doubt we tuned in no we were only six but by the time we we you know this was playing reruns for for years right so by the time we tuned into it we were the perfect age for all of this right now by the time the the last season came out which was in 95 I mean, we were the perfect age. Yeah. And I remember watching that first episode at some point. Oh, yeah. The, the road trip episode. Yeah. What a great episode, man. And speaking of that episode, so we're going to, the next song we're going to play, uh, what we're going to do for this one. So this song actually plays a little bit more of a of a role like in the episode. Yeah. He's kind of mentioning it in a way. Yeah. He mentions it as if it's a song that he's hearing on the radio at the time. So um, I synced up the song with the scene so that we can play a little bit more of the song than what's featured in the in the episode but we'll also have big pete's narration overlaid over the song as as the song plays in the episode so this is actually the next track on the album this song is called everywhere I can try to hide, but why waste my time? Since around of you, everything I do says you're that when you miss someone so much that your heart is ready to disintegrate that you always hear the saddest song ever on the radio. I wondered, was she out there somewhere listening to the same song? And if she was, was she thinking of me? I 
great song man yeah really good and i love the clip from that episode because everybody can relate to that oh yeah dude you know he was saying like why is it that anytime you miss somebody you hear the saddest song on the radio and then he says i wonder if she's out there hearing the same song and thinking of me yeah man which is you know a very kind of like innocent sort of like look at you know the, the reason I say innocent is because um, music, you know, and love are so freaking intertwined, dude. I remember when I, you know, my very first, like, infatuation and relationship with somebody in high school, like, you start to hear different things in a song. You know what I mean? You start to interpret lyrics in a way that suddenly it's like oh, suddenly I know what the song means now, dude, because I'm in love. You know? Yeah, dude. It's almost like for me, anytime like if I if I get like a a new car or something, I'll notice that car on the road <laughs> everywhere. Right. Sure. Yeah. It's just like nothing's changed. It's just that you notice things a bit differently when your circumstances change. And when you fall in love, dude, every song that you hear is a love song. Or you can find a way to, to tie it back to the feelings that you're experiencing. Yeah. And so, like, in the story, like, he's literally talking about a girl that he saw for 30 seconds at some <laughs> truck stop. Yeah. They had, like, a brief conversation and he is yeah. immediately, like, head over heels. Yeah. Exactly. And so, now he's, like, he's hearing sad songs on the radio. He's thinking about her. Is she thinking about me? You know? Things that, you know emotions and feelings that we've all gone through as 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 young young people in love right yeah and it's great that not only was that just a song playing in the background but that was the song that was playing on the radio so this song it may show up in other episodes i'm not sure but it is when you hear it it's the perfect like melancholy song right of like i'm bummed out you know i'm thinking about this girl and wouldn't you know it this song shows up on the radio right Exactly. Anyway, I love that. So that's episode one, you know, um, and there and, and there's Polaris on the radio, right? And let me just say, dude, I love that episode one was about a road trip to the Hoover Dam. We have taken that family road trip, man. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I love all the all the uh, shenanigans that go down in in the car in that episode. They're playing like roadkill bingo and stuff <laughs> so like that. So great, dude. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, now here is one of the greatest tv scenes of all time there i said it's a little bit of an exaggeration but this this scene and this song that we're going to play i think is the perfect scene to describe how music was such an important part of this tv show and the stories that this guy was telling through this show and how anybody who is a fan of rock in particular can relate to this scene and it should freaking stop you in your tracks, you know, and give you goosebumps, dude. Yeah, this scene's great, man. Go to YouTube 
and search for Pete and Pete, and then in quotes, Hard Days Pete, which is obviously a play on the Beatles song, Hard Days Night. And you will find a video uploaded by yours truly, Travis Self. Uh, uploaded in 2009 to YouTube. Thankfully, it's never been taken down. Back in the new dust days, man. But yeah, I I created this clip and uploaded it to YouTube so that I could use it on uh, a post that I was doing about Polaris on our music blog, right? Because I wanted to show this scene to talk about it. This is a scene in the show where Polaris is actually in the scene in a big way, right? And it's also worth noting that they invited Ray Neal to join them in the scene. So even though he's not technically a part of Polaris, he is in this scene playing guitar. Nice. So in a way, this is Miracle Legion, right? In a way. So they're a band practicing in a garage. Yeah. So to set the scene, uh, Little Pete is riding his bike around and he stumbles upon uh, this band in a garage playing a song. That's kind of all you need to know, right? And everything about this scene is fucking perfect, dude. And the song uh, featured here in the scene is called Summer Baby. If he had had just an extra two minutes to get to school, none of what happened would have happened. But I guess fate has a way of putting you in the right place at just the right time. As he raced towards school, a strange new feeling raced through him, and suddenly it hit him. It wasn't supposed to happen. He wasn't supposed to care. But as the feeling blasted through his heart, he knew nothing could ever be the same. He had a favorite song, a song he could call his own. Perfect, dude. Love it. It's so great. I love Little Pete's face, like as he's watching him. Yeah. <laughs> He's got this little smile on, and he's like kind of nodding his head along to the music and just like getting into it. Right. And so the scene is like, you know, he hears the band, he starts driving, you know, starts riding his bike down the alleyway, and then he stumbles upon him. Basically, they're putting on a private concert for him. That's kind of how it feels like, right, to him. Yeah, yeah. Garage door is open and they're jamming. And then like he's connecting with Mark or Muggy, I think is his uh, Polaris name. And he sort of like gives him this nod, right, Mark, as he's rocking out. And so it's one of those things where it's like everybody remembers their first concert, if you're, if you're, if you're a fan of, of rock music in particular. And 
feeling like you're connected to the band yeah. you know, in a way that you don't feel when you're just listening to it on a CD or something. Um, and so Little Pete is having that moment for the first time. And then he, as he's riding away, he starts humming the song. He's trying to keep it in his head. Um, and then Big Pete, who's narrating, is saying, hey, you know, like, this wasn't supposed to happen. You know, like, he wasn't supposed to feel this way. But, like, he he suddenly had a favorite song for the first time. Yeah, a song he can call his own. Yeah, Little Pete's first favorite song, right? Yeah. And apparently the rest of the episode, I haven't seen this one in a while, but he spends the rest of the show trying to play the song from memory so like he forms a band with his his friends and they're trying to recreate the song that's awesome but as fans of rock music like this should speak to you right of like that feeling and that personal connection that you can have with music right and how there's nothing like it right yeah and dude what an awesome song too man that might be one of my favorite Polaris songs. That's a it's a great song, yeah, no doubt. Now, um, the the record version is different than this version, which I think is interesting because pe- people were pointing out that the reason it sounds different, they actually did re-record it, or maybe they re-recorded it for the record. But because Ray Neal is featured in the episode, there is another guitar part in it that isn't there on the on the record. Cool. Version. So like. You know, they did it. They did a special version for this for this episode, right? Anyway, um, it's a great song, right? It's called "Summer Baby," um, but again, he wrote an entire episode about connecting with music, rock music, as a kid. Yeah. Now that 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 could happen. I could see a show being written like that nowadays for kids. Again, I have no frame. I don't watch kids shows like you were saying. I have no idea. I don't either. Man. What kids shows are like these days? But I have a hard time believing that this plot the script would would make it you know yeah I, I doubt it dude and you know i wonder if how much of you know the quote-unquote orange years mentality nickelodeon has been able to keep over all these years do they have a, a lot more control on on the writers of the shows that that are on the network or do they still give them that freedom i know for a fact that the the president at the time her name was jerry Laybourne. And she's amazing. Um, she's the reason that Nickelodeon is what it became, right? She's the reason that Universal Studios, remember how they had the Nickelodeon Studios was at Universal Theme Park, mm-hmm. right? And they would film it there and you could go and get slimed and shit yeah. and take tours of, you could literally walk through and, and see shows being You could filmed see the sets, like yeah. Yeah. That was all her. That was all her brainchild, basically. And again, bringing kids into the process, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Laybourne, uh, the president, she had stepped away in 96. I mean, isn't that interesting, man, that we watched Nickelodeon, like the prime age for us for watching Nickelodeon, she was all, she she was a big part of it. And then she steps away. And not that long after, we got past the age of, of watching Nickelodeon. We got out right on time, dude. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she yeah, she was president from 1980 to 1996. That's a huge stretch of time. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, something else to mention here because of how, like we were saying here, how important music is to this show. Obviously, the creator, um, Will McRobb, is a huge music guy, right? You don't approach a, a relatively unknown alt-rock band and ask them to write music for your show if you're not a huge rock fan, right? 
but also the director, Catherine Dickman, plays a huge factor in that too, because she had actually previously directed the music videos for R.E.M.'s Shiny Happy People and Stand. So through that connection that she already had with R.E.M., she was able to get Michael Stipe to show up as a guest cameo. Like he he played like a character or something like that. And then after that, some of these other musicians had an interest in showing up as well. So some of them are like Iggy Pop, Debbie Harry of Blondie, David Johansson of New York Dolls, and Gordon Gano of the Violent Femmes. So throughout this child show that we're watching, you're seeing all these rock stars play these little side characters, right? Doesn't Michael Stipe play like an ice cream man or something? Yeah, he's like an ice cream man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember that. So like, again, it's just just crazy to think about all of these, um, how music just kind of runs through this this show and how how crucial it was. And there's also music that that was featured on there by so I don't know all these these groups but Luscious Jackson, Nice, Drop 19s, Apples in Stereo. The Drop 19s? Yeah. Dude, that's a great shoegaze band. Race Car, Chug, Poi Dog, Pondering and Sid Straw. That's just uh, on this list here on on Wikipedia. Some of the other artists featured on the show. Yeah, man. Just music heavy. All right, well, let's play one more song here. Now, this one historically has been my favorite Polaris song. It might still be to this day, man. Yeah, I think this is up there with Hey Sandy as far as like the feeling that you get when you hear it. That ability to just make you feel a heavy sense of nostalgia. I feel like recently has the same vibe. And again, it's just a classic love song, man. I love the lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics are great. Yeah. All right, so here we go. This song is called Recently.
it's a perfect Polaris song, man. Yeah. I love it so much, dude. What would you change to make it any better? <laughs> Nothing. I love the arc of this of the story that's told, right? Yeah. Like, falls in love. My favorite line, dude, never apart, we go around Siamese in crazy love. I love that line, dude. And I also love the, 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 the very first uh, chorus where he says, Recently I kissed you. It's like a dream come true. Recently you're liking me and I'm really liking you. I just like the idea of that. Now, um, because like, you know, basically it's um recently as in like right now I'm 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 happy because of this thing that just happened like recently. Right. I'm happy right now because I, I, I kissed you the the other day, you know what I mean? Yeah, that line right before that that part. Get the rocket and light the fuse. Like it's it's on, man. Like <laughs> Yeah, this is like puppy love, right? Like, you know, you walked in, I clicked on. I like that lyric too. And then towards the end of the song he says, like, recently some jealousy has creeped into my mind. Yeah. Uh, and then at the very end, recently I'm happier being by myself. Recently I'm all alone, but I'm not lonely. So it didn't work out. Yeah, but but he, but he this person has learned to, to be comfortable being alone, right? Yeah. He's happier, actually, now that he's not preoccupied with, with, with trying to find love. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that happens to a lot of people, right? You, you fall head over heels for somebody, and when you break up with a person or vice versa, it's like rock bottom, dude. It's like that that first song, um, Everywhere, where it's like, you can't escape this person. They're freaking everywhere. You can't look at anything without thinking about that person. But then you usually emerge on the other side, like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm happy with myself. Yeah. Again, you know, these songs are about things that everybody deals with growing up, right? So um, I got a quote from Danny Tamborelli who most of you may recognize that name. He showed up at a bunch of kids' films, and he was Little Pete. Uh, He says, he's just talking about the dynamic between Big Pete and Little Pete. This was in that documentary called The Orange Years um, that that I referenced a few times the last few weeks. It's a Nickelodeon documentary. He says, Big Pete was always struggling with, do I want to stay a kid? Do I want to grow up? He's at the crossroads, and I'm not there yet, meaning Little Pete. And I want him to stay with me, and he wants to stay too. So I think a lot of these songs about love and stuff are probably from the perspective of some of the stuff that Big Pete goes through. Mm-hmm. And that's what made the show such a joy is it had this perfect age range between Little and Big Pete. And so Little Pete is there to sort of remind him to, to, to be a kid, right? Yeah, man. That's great. What a great quote. And so that reminds me of one of my favorite, if not favorite, episodes that I remember is uh, I think it's in season one, Nightcrawlers. Oh, I watched that the other day. Doesn't Little Pete have like, doesn't he grow like a five o'clock shadow by the end of the episode? Yeah, I think he does actually, which is kind of funny. <laughs> that's See, that that's another one of those like, it's just, that's not how it happened. Obviously, he's a little kid. He didn't grow a beard, but that's just part of that, like through the lens of a child. He was up all night. He stood up so long that he grew a beard. You know, like that's how you would tell the story. Basically, in order to get a later bedtime than 9.30, he basically said, I'm going to stay up 11 days straight. That's what he told his mom. She like called his bluff on it because that was like what the, the world record was for most days uh, awake. And I don't remember when he, he, he bails, but, you know, he doesn't make it very long at all. Right. But the end of the episode is, you know, his mom says, OK, how about how about 10 o'clock? And then little Pete's like 10.30 and she's like 10.15. <laughs> And then he's all tired, right? Because he's been up for like two hours straight and it's like 9.30. He's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, 
turn in. And the mom's like, well, you have another 45 minutes technically. And then they play flashlight tag at night in the front yard, him and his mom. Oh yeah. What a great scene. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. And then one more thing. And then another thing after that, (laughs) um, I took dubious notes, dude. I just wanted to point this out. This is amazing. And again, just a relic of the past, dude. Never will happen again, something like this. I think this is part of what made growing up in the 90s so fun, dude. Nickelodeon partnered with Kellogg's to where you could get a free cassette with Polaris songs on it uh, called Happily Deranged, music from the adventures of Pete and Pete. And you basically, you know... What is it? You, you, yeah, I don't remember how the shit used to work, but I guess you, you fill out some sort of... You cut out like a little the little coupon thing on the, some sort of mail the, away. the box and like... You, yeah. You put it in the mail and then you, you receive a cassette in the mail. I mean, that's lost nowadays, right? With Dude, a free cassette with two proofs of purchase. Yeah. <laughs> now it would just be like, scan this QR code and you'll get some MP3 sent to you. Like, right. You know? Yeah. And Happily Deranged, of course, is a lyric from Hey Sandy. Exactly. Free cassette with two proofs of purchase. And the tape itself included, uh, like I said, it, it had Hey Sandy on it, it had Staggering, and it had Coronado 2, which is three three songs off of this record. And actually, it's got a picture of Polaris on the, on the back of the tape. What I would do for that tape right now, I bet you can find it on eBay, but um, just imagine that. Now, again, dude, think about what that means, right? Like Nickelodeon knew that the kids watching this show would send in for a tape cassette of Polaris songs. Yeah, dude. dude. That's really cool. It's amazing, right? But anyway, what a cool... Um, and again, another just another thing to point to, you know, when it comes to how important music was to this show and to Nickelodeon, right? Because they're making tapes, you know, for crying out loud. Dude, and oh man, we got to read what it says here on that, on the cassette. It's great. It says... Hey, Peter here, along with my brother Pete, to tell you about a band called Polaris. They were discovered by accident one morning, blasting away in Mrs. Chikuti's garage. By the afternoon, what they left behind, a music that can guide you like the North Star. That's funny, because basically what they did was take that scene from the episode and say that that band that was in the garage that little Pete stumbled upon put out this little demo tape it's so cool man. that's awesome and i like how it talks about the north star because like there is this theme the 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 songs of like space right like in the beginning of hey sandy on the record at least it's got this like countdown that sounds like it's taken from the nasa archives or something like yeah, that space race kind of stuff i mean the term polaris isn't polaris like a uh like a star or something like that yeah 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 it's like a star i know stuff about space anyway amazing um okay so what happened to polaris right they put out the music and then they kind of went away right and um they were invited to to participate in a pete and pete reunion and they played music live in front of an audience for the first time as polaris which is kind of crazy to think about that Polaris, the band, it's not like they went on and continued making albums and toured and all this stuff. They came together to make music for the show, and then, you know, that was it. They were done, right? But with the interest that came out of that that reunion for them, it was in Los Angeles, I think, in like maybe 2015 or something like that, 2016. Um, they kind of had a second wave of popularity because by that time, us, 
the kids who watched Pete and Pete are grown adults and we're like, yeah, give me more of that Polaris stuff. I would love to see you live, right? And so they went on tour as Polaris. Amazing. After that, um, which is amazing. And then they they released, you know, music from the Adventures of Pete and Pete as a proper album. Yeah, this is kind of funny. This is from a um, interview that he did with some. I think I actually quoted this uh, last last week, but this interview from BigTakeOver.com, and he's talking about that reunion show, and he says, um, "We never even practiced most of those songs as Polaris." So that gig itself was very interesting. But since I hadn't done anything in a long time, I'm trying to get a record promoted and all these things. I just started thinking a little while ago that I'm always like the ex-singer of Miracle Legion, quote unquote. That's what I've been for a long time. And I don't necessarily want to be billed that way, even though I don't mind it. But now I almost think that I'm sort of the ex-singer of Polaris in a lot of ways, because probably a lot more people know about Polaris than Miracle Legion. Maybe people have found Miracle Legion through knowing about Polaris. That's us, dude. It's exactly us. He says, but yeah, it's funny. I remember this guy telling me the story that he heard these two kids talking in a record store. And one said, Paul McCartney, who's that? And the other kid says, oh, he used to be in Wings. <laughs> <laughs> so like people like us don't necessarily say, oh, he used to be in Miracle Legion. We say, oh, he used to be in Polaris because that's how we know him, right? He used to be in the band from The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah, so he says, we did a lot more things in Miracle Legion than Polaris has ever done. So it's just funny how it works out. Just being on television is an amazing thing. And as we have been talking about, not only were they like part of the show musically, but they were like in the show. They were the band in the show. Um, The house band is what they were kind of called, right? And they're in episodes. They're interact. He's freaking, he's nodding to little Pete, you know, while he's jamming out in the garage and stuff. And how many other TV shows put the band of the theme music in the intro of the show right and you see them on the front lawn rocking out yeah so they're just the neighborhood band basically in this in this town um but anyway there's so many more things i wanted to talk about when it comes to nickelodeon but we just we got to wrap it up dude so um yeah i I think if you're if you grew up watching nickelodeon i highly recommend watching the orange years go check it out go find it wherever you can find it um, I think it'll make you appreciate just how special that network was. Yeah, specifically if you grew up watching Nickelodeon in the early 90s. Yeah, and how much we owe uh, the president of the network at the time, Jerry Laburn, for how amazing it was. Dude, she had a quote at the end of that documentary that I loved. Because you know, she was asked, what do you think the legacy of Nickelodeon is? Like what you did during your tenure there. And she goes, the legacy is every kid who watched us. Mm. So you and me, dude, we're the legacy of Nickelodeon. Beautiful. Our love for rock and roll and stuff like that could very well be shaped by this show. And Will McRobb's uh, decision to reach out to Mark Mulcahy, get them to be part of the show and stuff like that. It's crazy to think about how different our, our taste in music and movies and just like aesthetic and stuff like that would be different had it not been for Nickelodeon. And our worldview. I mean, lots of things, man. Lots of things. We could go on and on about that. Um, but yeah, if you were a huge fan of Nickelodeon like we were, reach out to us. Tell us what uh, what was your favorite episode of Pete and Pete. Reach out to us if you own that tape. That would be awesome. Yeah. Somebody out there owns that tape and they didn't get it on eBay. They actually got it by sending in two proofs of purchases of their Kellogg cereal. 
Dude, and so many people have a piece of that aggro crag, dude. Yeah. I'm not even going to explain that. How many people have the Nickelodeon alarm clock? You know what, dude? This is sad. Kara had that alarm clock that she got legitimately from sending in for the to get the Nickelodeon magazine or something like that. Wow, man. Doesn't have it anymore. Oh, that's a shame. It would play the um, Salute Your Shorts theme song. That was the alarm clock. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you could switch it between like two different, like a like a siren sound or the trumpet <laughs> for um, Salute Your Shorts. That is so cool. So she used to wake up to the Salute Your Shorts trumpet every day when she was a kid. I think just for fun, dude, uh, we should outro out the episode with the Salute Your Shorts theme song. That's probably probably my other favorite like live action. Yeah, that was a good show too. That came out before P and P. So Hey Dude was the first live yeah. action one, right? And Salute Your Shorts was so, next. Yeah. They may have been around the same time, but yeah, Hey Dude was like their foray into live action because you know before that it was you know Rugrats and um, and Ren and Stimpy and stuff like that. Anyway, so next week's gonna be a What You Heard episode uh, for February, and then we're gonna come back and 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 stay in this pocket of jingle pop college rock uh and we're going to talk about rem's first record murmur that's going to be a really good seamless i feel like segue from miracle legion because uh, murmur came out the same year that um miracle legion's ep the backyard came out i'm excited to dive into that record. lots of similarities yeah it's a great one of my favorites for sure from their collection um there's something about murmur dude that's special so that's going to be hard to narrow that down but i have my favorites from the record so, you know, we'll try not to play singles. That's what we try to do around here. But um, anyway, so yeah, reach out to us on Instagram. You can find us there at No Filler Podcast. And uh, of course, you can always find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. That is the home to many great music podcasts, including our own. That's PantheonPodcast.com. And we'd like to thank akg for sponsoring the show as always and yeah that's it thanks for uh for being nostalgic with us as we kind of geek out about one of our favorite shows as kids um if you didn't watch that show hopefully you still could connect with that music you know i I think you should watch the show you know even if you didn't grow up in the 90s i think it holds up um it's even better as an adult dude it really is. I think you're right, dude. Yeah. Somebody described it um, on that documentary as Twin Peaks meets the Wonder Years. And I think that's a great description. That is it. fantastic. Yeah. So again, it's all on YouTube. The entire series is on YouTube. Yeah. They even have some of the like early like pilot bonus episodes too. Yeah. The little shorts that they made. When like even Big Pete looks like a little tiny kid, you know. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Next week, we'll be coming at you with our monthly What You Heard episode. All our favorite tunes that we've been listening to over the last month. And um, thanks again, as always, for listening. Until next time, my name's Quentin. My name is Travis. And y'all take care. Now get it right or pay the price.
Now we will share a lifetime of the fondest memories. By the lake of Ottawa, sat in the pine trees. Camp on we've called you in our hearts. But when we think this thing came apart. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.